بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله الذي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآل الطيبين الطاهرين اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات المهد وأكرمني بنور الفهد اللهم افتح علينا أبواب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزائن عظمك برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين we continue our discussion about the unit 5, Prophet Muhammad Prophet of Mercy. Last week we referred to some verses of the Quran about the moral conduct and moral character of the Prophet. There is a quotation here from one of the Orientalists about Prophet's character. For example, the fact that the Prophet was very tolerant. So if there was misbehavior of people, if he was wrong, he was very tolerant, he was very forgiving. The Prophet was very humble. Each of these needs you know, discussion, but just we go over them quickly. Very humble, very kind very patient, very generous. And one of the things which is very interesting is, you find it in other books, the prophet didn't used to say no to people. So whenever someone asked him for something, either he was accepting, or if it was something which was not reasonable or something that he could not do it, he was just keeping silent. He was not saying no to the request of people. If they invited him, he used to accept invitation easily. Even poorest people invited him and he accepted. If they were asking Prophet to do something for them, he was doing for them. If it was really impossible, and still he was not saying no. He was just keeping silent. And that was the sign that he cannot do it. So this is a very great character that we need to achieve as much as possible to help people. And if we really cannot help people, <coughs> don't think that they are asking you something which is not reasonable. Say, why you ask me this? You know that I am busy. You know that I cannot do this. Why you demand too much? No. Just express your sorrow that you are not able to help them. Uh, we have something also about Prophet Muhammad, uh, Pro sorry, Prophet Ibrahim salam, that one of the reasons why he became Khalilullah was that he never asked people for help. But when people asked him for help, he never said no. He was not asking people for help. He was working hard and putting his trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when people went to him to ask for help, he was not saying, go and ask Allah. He was not saying, you know, go and work. He was helping them. So. Rasulullah also was not saying no to people. If Rasulullah was 
meeting, if you met someone who was successful and was happy, you know, someone who had, for example, someone who had been given a child, someone who had been, I don't know, successful in his business, someone who had been successful in, I don't know, family issues or whatever, when he saw someone was happy, so Rasulullah used to uh, show his joy and happiness and embrace that person, hug that person. You know, because sometimes in the times of difficulties, you need people to hug you and show they understand you. And sometimes that's like joy also, because you want to share your joy with people. Imagine, you know, if you are very successful, for example, if you have the best result in university, you have become first top student in the university, and you go home and you tell everyone, and they show no reaction, <laughs> you feel very sad, you know. Uh, one of uh, my friends said that uh, when he was, I think, uh, accepted for PhD, uh, because especially those, it was not easy to get into PhD program, you know, in Iran, you know, you know concours, you know, to go to competition, you know. So he said uh, he went home. His mother had passed away, so his father lives with his stepmother. So he said, I went with joy home and you know, said, you know, I have become no one you know, showed any reaction. So if my mom was alive, it was different. So people in the time of their joy also need your understanding you know to show them that you are all happy this is great success you know so when someone was happy and successful rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was happy and was hugging them if someone was suffering for example had lost a child rasulullah was showing sympathy and sincere sympathy not just you know lip service He was very close to uh, children. He was saying salam to children. Sometimes people, children ask him to help uh, them or even to play with them. He didn't have any hesitation to help them or play with them. He used to share his meal, even if he had little, share his meal with other people. And he was very very generous so this is what one of the orientalists uh, says of course based on sources ayatollah mutahari also mentions some of the qualities of prophet for example he was a person who had been known for decades as amin trustworthy even before Islam, before he became prophet, he was known by everyone as Al-Amin, as As-Sadiq, the honest. And it's interesting that even after he became the prophet and the Quraysh, had people of Quraysh, you know, the leaders of Quraysh, I mean, of course, they had problem with him. They used to torture some Muslims. They used to confiscate the properties. But still, they didn't doubt trustworthiness of prophets. So if they had something valuable and they wanted to travel, they used to ask Rasulullah to look after it. 
So when Rasulullah wanted to migrate to Medina, and that is 13 years after Islam started, yeah, so because he was in Mecca for 13 years. Still, he had many valuables, many trusts of the people of Mecca. And he asked Imam Ali to give them back before he joins them. Can you imagine? The people who are fighting you and fighting your followers, they say you are mad, you are I don't know, magicians, all these things. But in their heart, they have so much of trust in you that they see they leave their values with you and they know that you are not taking any excuse to say, because that what they have done to me, I don't need to give them back or I don't need to bother. I just leave them on the street and go to Medina. He could have just left it there. Yeah? So these people want to kill me. Why? I know I should be bothering about their amanat, the trust. But no. Rasulullah asked Amirul Mu'min to give them back the trust and then take Lady Fatima and her his and his mother, his own mother Fatima bint Asad to Medina. We have in Du'ai Nudbah. You are the one that pays off my debt. And if there is any trust, you know, you give back. Anyway, so he was known to be trustworthy. Very much so that they didn't doubt even after they showed enmity to the Prophet. Very kind. Softness and a strength. This is very beautiful. Some people don't make distinction between these two. They think either you have to be soft or you have to be strong. In the sense that if you are strong, you have to be harsh. Hard. Because they cannot understand that you can be strong and soft. Rasulullah was a very soft person, a gentle person. He was not harsh, as we said last week. Allah says, لو كنت القالب من Had you been harsh and hard-hearted, people would have left you. He was very soft, but at the same time, he was very strong. In his principles, values, he was very strong. No one was able to force him to do something wrong. No one was able to force him to withdraw from his virtues. But he was very soft. Sometimes I use this example, I say it's like water. You know, we have hadith that movement is like water. One of the characteristics of water is that it is very soft. Yeah? Very gentle, very flexible. You can put water in every container and takes the shape of the container. But if you want to fight with water, water fights you back. I don't know, have you been diving in the swimming pool? If you dive and you don't know, you know how to dive, it can hurt you, it can kill you. It's, it's like a stone, water. The same water which is so soft, and it is one of the origins of life. <laughs> Everything which is life, which is uh, living, comes from water. 
if you want to fight it, it fights you back. It doesn't come after you. It remains there. But you will hurt yourself. You may kill yourself. So, Rasulullah was very soft but strong. If they wanted to move him towards wrong places, wrong positions, he was not accepting. As you know, they said to Abu Talib we give him money, we give him leadership, we give him beautiful women, just ask him to a little bit compromise, a little bit, you know, be silent, not to say la ilaha illallah, we give him everything. This soft person that was playing with children, that was humble, was not saying no to anyone's request, but when there is something wrong like this, he said, if they put sun in my right hand and moon in my left hand, I'm not going to accept. This was Rasulullah sallallahu Amir al-Mu'nir says to his son, Muhammad ibn Hanafiyyah, Tazulu al-jibal wa la You have to be so strong that even if the pressure, the force moves mountains, you don't move. So you can be strong, but at the same time, soft. You can be very strong like mountain, but no harsh word comes to you. No reactionary, you know, word or <coughs> behavior comes from you. This is very important. We have to learn these things, you know, about moral character of Rasulullah. He was very committed to family life. Rasulullah was not a man who prefers single life, you know, so even, because there are people who marry but remain single in their mind, unfortunately. And still, they plan everything on their own. And they, only they disclose the minimum to their wife or their husband. As much as possible, they try to leave everything in their own hand and keep their options open. Just there are some requirements that they have to accept. Like living under one roof, they have to accept this. But as much as possible, they try to be single. They try to be free. But this freedom is something that is harmful to the unity that we want in family. You have to be committed to family life. You have to understand that your good comes when the family is in a good condition. Anyone who wants to marry, I have a test for him. I have a few tests for them, but one test is this. Have you reached the point that if you see your husband eats and you don't eat because you have, for example, only little food, so if someone wants to become wife, if, if there is little food, if your husband eats and you don't have food, are you happy? Or if your wife eats and you don't eat, are you happy? Then you can get married. But if you want to keep it for yourself and hide it from you know, your spouse and eat it, or you want to just make it half, no. Marriage needs sacrifice. 
Actually, if you understand it, then you see this not sacrifice. When a mother offers her own food to her child, doesn't take it as a sacrifice. Yeah? Once, uh, I was speaking with one of our Christian friends, you know, very good sister, you know. I know her for many years. So in Canada, we were talking about um, charity. I said, believers, when they help each other, they shouldn't think they are doing charity. He said, why? If there is a mu'min, there's a mu'mina, even any, any human being, if your brother or sister in faith <coughs> or in humanity, but let's say for the first stage, in faith, if your mu'min brother or sister is in need of help, if you give him and you think you are doing charity, this is a problem. If you think you are doing infab and sadaqah and you expect from Allah to reward you for this, it's a problem. It means you are selfish, you are greedy. You should do it out of love. If someone says, you know, every month I pay this much sadaqah, we say, how? He says, you know, because I'm feeding my children. Is it sadaqah? Your children are part of you. You shouldn't feel you are doing you know, any good thing because just you are spending on your family. For a mu'min, the whole community is his family. So if I'm helping my community, if I'm giving money to community, to people, this is not sadaqah. So I was talking about this. Then he said, or she said, but I feel that when I'm helping my children is like charity. So I was a little bit surprised. Then she said that when my father gives me loan, she charges me. So I have to pay interest to my father. Of course, uh, not everyone is like this. And they are very nice people and very nice family. It's you know, a good way of maybe sorting out things between themselves. I, I don't want to uh, say anything in like a negative. It's beautiful. But I think it can be more beautiful if we go beyond this stage and don't look at you know, what we do with our family as charity and actually extend it to other people. So, husband and wife, parents and children, brothers and sisters should have this understanding between them that the other party's joy is the main source of joy for me. If you have a little sister who wants to, for example, go to a, I don't know, gathering party and you help her go and enjoy, it must be better for you than saying, you remain home and I go. If you are a good sister, you try to make your sister and brother happier and then you feel full sense of satisfaction. Otherwise, you say, why I should stay for them? I should go. So, this type of mentality is family mentality and it will create deep sense of unity in family. There would be competition, but not competition for gaining, competition for giving, competition for putting in. In the morning, everyone tries to be the first person who goes to make the breakfast for the rest of people. Mother wants to go first, father wants to go first, children want to go. So, there's a competition in this way. 
Not that everyone wants to go when everything is ready. And as soon as they eat, they disappear so that it's cleaned by the last one. So, a good family is a place for competition, for helping other people, and then you will see how much you will enjoy your family life. Okay. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had very simple life. In Medina, he could have asked people to build a palace for him. Yes, in Mecca, they had difficult time. Although even in Mecca, you know, Rasulullah had money because Lady Khadija was rich. In the, they could use her money to have a very good life. But then was Sheikh Abi Talib, she passed away. Maybe you say it was difficult, but certainly in Medina, he was able to ask people to make a big house for him. Have servants, have a special food, a special dress. But he didn't want anything special for him. He wanted to have very, very simple life. And he used to say, Al-Faqro Fakhri. Al-Faqro Fakhri. It's not that I try to be enduring poverty. I try to cope with poverty. No, he said, poverty is my honor. Poverty is my pride. Financial poverty, but also a spiritual poverty in the sense of humbleness. And these two are very much connected. Of course, in Islam, we don't encourage people to be poor in the sense of not being able to generate money. No, you have to generate money. You have to generate income. But if you choose simple life, that's good. You can make tens of thousands of pounds per month. But this doesn't mean that your lifestyle has to become luxurious lifestyle. You can choose to have very simple life. You know, I know people, alhamdulillah, in our community that they are very, very rich. But when you go to their home, you see their life is very simple. It's like other people. As if, you know, they are just working in an office, you know, and being paid you know, some basic, you know, salary. But they are, mashallah, very rich. This is good. It's not that they are miserly, they don't want to spend. No, they don't want to lose simple lifestyle. This is very good. So Rasulullah had very simple lifestyle. You could not say, okay, we find Rasulullah by looking at his dress. Must be the most expensive dress. No. We will find Rasulullah by looking at his, I don't know, camel. Must be the most luxurious camel. No. We look, who has security and, you know, bodyguards? No. And what he's sitting? Everyone sitting on the floor, on the ground, and he's sitting on a, for example, throne? No. He was sitting like everyone. And he was actually sitting even in circle. So no one was able to find who is Rasulullah because he was sitting on circle. Very, very simple. He didn't want to be singled out. He wanted to be just like other people. And he was taking this as honor for himself. He was very helpful. As I said, available always to help. Very brave. He was very brave. Amirul Mu'minin says in Nahjul Balagha, Kunna idha ahmarra al-ba's 
Whenever the fight was getting very fierce, very strong, you know, fighting was taking place, we used to take shelter from Rasulullah. You know, Amir al-Mu'mini is the bravest man in Ummah, but he says when the fighting was getting very, very difficult, we were going and asking Rasulullah to give us shelter. Can you imagine what was the bravery of Rasulullah? He was not, you know, standing in a very remote place and sending people to battle. He was himself there making sure that everything is done properly. Soldiers follow Islamic values, Islamic morals. They don't do, you know, just as they wish. He was reminding them of taqwa, of being worried, of harming people, doing bad things. And he himself, whenever was needed, he was available. Of course, Rasulullah was very, very hesitant in fighting. That was just for defense. And for Rasulullah to see one person being injured was injuring his heart. Because he came to guide people. He had love for these people. He didn't want to kill anyone. He didn't want to injure anyone. He, he didn't want even to curse anyone. In the battle of Uhud, when Hamza, who later was known as Sayyid al-Shuhada, before Imam Hussein was killed, Hamza was known as Sayyid al-Shuhada. So Hamza was killed so brutally, you know the story. Many Muslim soldiers were killed. Islam was defeated. Many people were injured. Even the teeth of Rasulullah was, were broken. And they had to climb the hill. What did Rasulullah do? Did he curse them? No. He said, Allahumma qawmi fa'innahum la ya'lamun. Oh Allah, please guide my people. They don't know. He didn't even keep silent. He could have cursed them. He could have kept silent, but he chose another option, and that was to pray for them and find excuse for them. He says, oh Allah, these people don't know. It's not that they are very vicious. They don't know. And Rasulullah says, these people don't know, while they knew Rasulullah a lot, very well. Because they knew they were people from Mecca. They didn't come from another planet. They knew Rasulullah for years. And this is more than 13 years after Islam. But still Rasulullah says they don't know very well. Still there are areas that they need clarification. He prays for them. And as you know, most of the remaining soldiers of Quraysh, almost all of them became Muslims later. If Rasulullah had cursed them, they would have been destroyed. Look at this man. A person who can do shafa'ah, intercede for his enemies. And say, oh Allah, please guide them. So he's doing shafa'ah for them. And brings excuse for them. <coughs> this is the moral character of the Prophet. I hope, inshallah, Allah would enable us to acquire those traits of character and exhibit the prophetic 
akhlaq. Unfortunately, sometimes Muslims, even in understanding of what is Islamic morality, they have difficulty. They, even they themselves don't understand what should they do with other people, and sometimes they don't practice Islamic akhlaq properly. If we acquire the moral, noble traits of character of Rasulullah, you would see the world would change. We cannot say there are many people who are, you know, for example, non. Uh, there are many people who are not appreciating Islam, or you know, there are people who are, for example, trying to <coughs> spread mischief or whatever. Don't tell me about the problems in the world. Tell me what you can do. There are 1.5 billion Muslims. Okay, so almost from every out of every four people, one person is Muslim. And of course, alhamdulillah, we have Christians, we have other believers in religions and God. But even if just Muslims were showing good akhlaq, so this means that we can bring 25% of the world to a moral platform. And I am sure Christians also would do this. And the whole world become a good place. If in your, for example, office, if you have, you work with four people and one of them has very, very good akhlaq and is like Rasulullah's akhlaq, of course, in his own scale, the whole office will change. Yeah? Even if there are 20 people and one of them is very, very good in his akhlaq, the whole office will change. If we Muslims show the akhlaq of Prophet, the whole world would change, inshallah. And I hope, inshallah, that will happen, inshallah. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين